0: Well, good to see all of you again today. I hope that you are having a wonderful time in the Lord's house today. The Holy Spirit is here. He's moving. I can already tell that it's already a great word. We're going to be closing out today, uh, loving God and loving each other. This has been the sermon series that we have been uh, working through together for the month of February. So we're going to close it out today. And um, we've been looking specifically in 1 John chapter 4 over the last three weeks. We're going to change it up a little bit today. And go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So go ahead and you can sincerely, you can be ready for me. And um, but I, I hope that, that you have just, just been sincerely encouraged by the word that has come from these passages of scripture that we've been looking at over these past uh, short few weeks. And I hope that you've gained something that you can just sink your teeth into. Um, so I, I, again, we're, we're going to, to take this scripture today and we're going to detail a church in a place called Corinth. And, and, and just kind of address what Paul saw as some of the issues that were coming out of that early church. In this passage of Scripture, he tells us a good bit about what love is, and he tells us even more so about what love is not. So familiar passage, it's often used at weddings, uh, newlyweds. They, they kind of try to build, start off on the right foot, you know, using this, this passage of Scripture. And you'll find it again in 1 Corinthians uh, 13. We're going to look at verses uh, 4 through 8 today. So let's stand together. Let's read this uh, together, verses 4 through 8 in chapter 13. Got it. If you got it, say it. Got it. Amen. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it, it does not dishonor others, it is not self seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs love does not delight in evil but revoices with the truth it always protects always trusts always hopes always perseveres then the first part of this next verse says say it with me love Amen. never fails father today we're just so grateful for the word that we have just this passage of scripture and what it means father we know that you want to use this today and help us to close this series out on it. Lord we never stop talking about love we never stop talking about it but we do end this series with this. So, Father, we just ask that you'll bless it in a mighty way. Hope, uh, just pray that, uh, that, that ears are open today, that hearts are opened, and, and that there's an, a, there's an attention in the sanctuary today, Father. We just pray for that uh, so that your Holy Spirit can move. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Um, before we start unpacking these verses, let me can I give you a little bit of background on where this is coming from? Let me me just take a few minutes. So, take a few minutes to give you this background, but I want you to understand a little bit about this church at at Corinth. Now, um, the book of 1 Corinthians was written to the church at Corinth, and and, and that church was in Greece, which at that time was part of the Roman Empire. Okay? 1 Corinthians was written by, does anybody know who it was written by? It was written by the Apostle Paul, and it was during his third missionary journey. He wrote this book about 20 years after the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this church that Paul was writing to, he wrote a couple of letters to them. There was actually more letters. A couple of them didn't get into the Bible. I don't know if they were lost or whatever, but there, there were two that made it, first and second. But this particular one, um, he was writing it to this church that he founded while he was on his second missionary journey. Now again, he's on his third now, so he was on his second at the time that he wrote this book. And anyway, this you, you find that out by reading the book of Acts in chapter 18 if you'd like to do that. But during his second missionary journey, Paul had been ministering at this particular church for about a year and a half. He'd been there for a little bit of time, not a very long time, certainly not long enough to establish what it was that he felt like God wanted him to establish there. But while he was there, he got brought up on charges. The, the, the Roman... Uh, Tribune was made up of some of the, the Jewish leaders, and but, but the charges that they had were, were religious-type charges. They weren't civil charges, so those charges ended up getting dropped. But anyway, after this, Paul traveled to Ephesus, and then he traveled to Israel. And during his year and a half at this church, he just, again, he wasn't able to complete the work that God had assigned for him to do. He wasn't completely able to to just break the culture that they had been living in. They just, they weren't ready to be on their own. The church that he founded was what's called factional. Uh, the people were there, they were just showing immense immaturity, just terribly immaturity. In some cases, they were even showing carnality, all about themselves. This church, particularly after Paul, it, it, after he had left, it just became completely divided. Just became a divided church. There was no unity in the church. It, it had created a number of problems within the church. Now, another minister by the name of Apollos um, had been ministering there. Some of the people were, were trying to follow Apollos. Some of them were still trying to follow Paul. Some of them were even wanting to follow Peter. And a few of them even wanted to follow Jesus Christ. But you can see, Without a definitive leader there, there was disunity, and there was a problem in this, in this early church. Now, do we see that in the churches today? Yes, we do. We, we still hear of the same problems today. Disunity, uh, just disregard for others, no love in the church. We, we hear about this all the time, but we're faced with this even today. But this particular church back in Corinth, back in these days, their most severe problem would have been called what I would say worldliness. That's what they were more interested in. They didn't want to let go of the things that were around them. They wanted to just hang on to the past. They weren't interested in moving forward. They they could not separate themselves from their old ways. They couldn't let go of the past. And somebody mentioned forward earlier. they, They could not grasp what it is to be forward thinkers They just wanted to to live in the past and, oh, poor, pitiful me, this is the way we've always done it, so this is the way we're going to continue to do it. That's the life that they were trying to live. Paul didn't have time to get it all established, but they just couldn't let go of it. They were too focused on the past. So as Paul was on this third missionary journey, he had gotten wind of this. See, he was not there, but he'd gotten wind of it. I don't know if he had an informant. I don't know if if people were talking to him or what the case was, but he heard. So it prompted him to write this letter in terms of trying to correct this church, in terms of trying to maybe lead from afar to show them exactly what it was supposed to be. So he writes 1 Corinthians. And part of this letter that he wrote is dealing directly with spiritual gifts And directly with love. And we just read that passage. But the church at Corinth was missing out on this because they were just too swallowed up on their own wants and too swallowed up on their own ways. They thought they just wanted it the way that they want. Does this sound familiar at all? I mean, y'all, we hear this in in the church as a whole. I'm not talking about just within our four walls. This is the church today. This is how people think. They, They still think it's all about them. But it's not, it's about God, and it always has been, always should be. But that's what they do. But in this section of the letter, he was trying to accomplish this correction through love. And his deep concern for the unity of the church at Corinth, uh, it caused him to address several aspects of Christian love, and we're going to take a look at those aspects this morning as we do together. Now, I don't know, y'all, y'all read these with me just a minute ago, are you already examining yourself? I did. When I was going through this myself, I was right here in my office, and I was saying, you know what, hmm, I'm probably not as patient as I ought to be. You know, there's several things in that passage that spoke directly to me, and maybe it will for you this morning. So here, the first one says, love is patience. Now, how many of us have a problem with patience? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us do? have? Some of you are raising it anyway. How many of us do have a problem with patience? I will raise my hand. I do. I do. I am, I, I, I think I'm somewhat type A to a certain degree. You ever heard, I want what I want and I want it now? You know, you ever think of the old JG Wentworth commercial, y'all remember those? Oh yeah, I want my money and I want it now. You know, have you ever heard those commercials with that attorney that was trying to sell himself on TV? Well, I don't have the money issue to worry about, but I do want what I want now. And that, that is an issue with uh, patience for me. It, but it's, it's not over money, but it's over uh, little things that I lose my patience. So if, you, if, if my wife was here, she's home not feeling well, just ask her. She can make you a list. She'll tell you exactly where my patience lies. But patience in this, pas- in, in this passage really means something a little different. It, it's, it's a quality of love that the New Testament... Now listen, the New Testament signifies this as patience meaning a slowness to repay somebody. Like if you're offended, like a, a slowness. That's, that's the type of patience that it's talking about. You know, if, 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 as Christians, we're sometimes struggling with this. We do, because if somebody offends us, automatically our first thing is we want to lash back. And then if we don't lash back, worse than that, we stand in the corner somewhere talking to somebody else about it. And see, that's wrong. That's not the right way to do it. There's another word for that. It starts with a G. Gossip. Yeah, that's exactly right. But this was happening at this Corinth church. It happens in every church from time to time. And this church in Corinth, like the folks in our churches today, we we have our spiritual gifts. We do. We all have a spiritual gift. We know what that is for the most part. In most cases, we have the, the, the correct doctrine has been taught. In most cases, um, the only thing that's really missing you got good doctrine, you got good teaching, you got good ears you can hear, but the thing that's missing is the love between each other. Sometimes it just rears its ugly head through our patience one for another because we're not slow to repay. We want to repay it now, and sometimes we shouldn't do that. But we all have different spiritual gifts. We all have our ways of approaching old ideas. We all have our ways of approaching new ideas. We have our differences and in the way that we handle things, and that's perfectly okay. What's not okay is how we lose our patience with one another because of these differences. You see, God is patient. Listen, God is patient because he does not immediately punish those that offend him. Think of it if he did. Where would we be if God immediately punished every time we offended him? We offend him every day. Where would this world be if he just jumped the gun every time? I'm so glad that he doesn't do that. Aren't you glad that the patience of God slows down the judgment process and opens the door for a reprieve reprieve from the punishment? I'm so glad that he does. We should strive to have the patience of God and slow down our own judgmental attitudes with one another. Our love for one another should should cause us to, to try and just mimic the patience of God. We should also remember that, that being patient with one another is, now listen, this is important to note. You need to know this. Being patient with one another is different from being indifferent to one another. Indifference ignores the offense altogether. Patience is, is just, we're going to get to it, but we're going to give you a chance. Indifference says, we're just going to ignore it completely. Let's face it. There are some things that we just can't afford to be indifferent about. There are things that need to be addressed. There are things that need to be talked about if it's done right way, The Bible is clear on how to handle these things. We must handle things correctly in God's house with God's people. We can do this by the second one. We can do this by being what? Kind to one another. Paul goes on to tell the folks at Corinth in this letter that love is also kind. Now, Paul uses the word kind many times throughout his epistles here in the New Testament. The word kind simply means to, it, it refers to the way that we find about how you disagree. These folks at the church in Corinth appear to be past that approach. Things at that church, like many of our churches today, needed a kind but also a firm type hand. We still need that today, don't we? Paul demonstrated here that he dealt with them kindly, but he also dealt with them firmly. He was teaching them that it's okay to agree to disagree, but the level of kindness between them needed to shape up. Why else would he have listed this as a priority in this passage of Scripture? This is the reason that he put it there. Church, listen, we must follow Paul's instruction here. We must be kind to one another, and when there's something we disagree on, remember, be kind to each other through it. Now, kindness is pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? You're either kind or you're not kind. I've always been taught that it doesn't cost a thing to be kind to somebody, and it doesn't. Being kind to one another is rewarding. How many times in our churches today have we left the building with a sour attitude over something stupid because we didn't handle it with kindness? How many times have we gone home after a service or a meeting with our head hanging down because we feel like we weren't kind or someone wasn't kind to us? Listen, it doesn't have to be this way. As Paul is teaching through his letter, we have to learn to be kind one to another. Why? Because the scripture tells us right here, love is kind. There are others at this church in Corinth that had a problem with envy. Anybody have that issue? Again, Paul was, he lists this here in the scripture because it was a problem. and Apparently it was a problem that was worth noting, being envious of each other. We have this to refer to because it's a problem in the church today. These these folks at Corinth were envious of each other's spiritual gifts. They wanted what each other had. They were just envious to the point that they were disputing about whose spiritual gift was the most important. Mine's better than yours. They were envious to the point of I can do my spiritual gift better than you can do your spiritual gift. You have to remember that the Holy Spirit to these folks was still relatively new. it only been 20 years since the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit had just come on the scene. He had descended upon them and given them these new gifts. They didn't even know they had them. They were still learning. it just it, it wasn't old hat to them like it would be to us. This may have created some sort of competition between these families that were together. It, was, uh, it, it caused them to want to be better than the next person instead of giving God the glory. And, and that's what's important about spiritual gifts. It's not about what we do. It's about what God does through us. This was just pitiful stuff. It really was. But for them, it was very real at the time. Sometimes in our churches today, we can resemble this kind of stuff. For us, it's less about spiritual gifts, but it's more about committees and who's important. Now, some of y'all are thinking, oh, no, there he goes nagging us about committees. I figured I'd get a bigger laugh on that. Here's what I'll say about committees. Write this down. Here's what I'll say. Since we're here, if we're going to have them, we're going to have them the right way because God's in charge, period you can write that down. What's the date? 23rd. But seriously, we can build up resentment over the smallest insignificant thing. Things that at the end of the day don't add up to a hill of beans, yet we cause it to be a big, big deal through envy and resentment. Church, listen, it's, it's okay for somebody to admire somebody else. That is perfectly fine. That's perfectly acceptable. Maybe you like that somebody holds a position in the church that you would like to have. It's okay to even desire the same thing for yourself. That is perfectly fine. No problem with that at all. But jealousy and envy enter in when admiration and desire turn to resentment for others for what they have or what they're able to do. These things is what's causing problems in the world, and the Bible illustrates this many times. I've got a piece of scripture here for you that comes out of Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Let's look at this together. Verses 3 and 4 in Philippians chapter 2 it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Folks, we should find ourselves not envious of one another, but instead, instead of being envious, we should be, what? Supportive of each other. We should lift each other up. We should build each other up. Not tear everybody down through envy. Lifted each up. Love does not envy. Love also does not boast or parade itself, some scripture says, some versions say. Now, what does this mean, really? Really? Boasting and parading itself are just another word for what? Bragging. That's what boasting and parading yourself means. It means that you're bragging. Some of the folks at this church in Corinth must have been guilty of this, or again, Paul wouldn't have brought it up here. By the way, this is the only time that Paul brings this up in his New Testament letters, the only time that he brings up the bragging issue. These folks must have been bragging at this church in Corinth without any type of foundation whatsoever. It was important enough for him to list it. They must have been so wrapped up in their new spiritual gift that they were engaging in the sin of bragging about their good deeds. By doing this, they were taking the spotlight off of God, and who were they putting it on? They were putting it on themselves. Look what I can do. It reminds me of a kid on the playground. They get on the sliding board, and they tell the other kid that's scared to climb the ladder, watch what I can do. I can do this better than you can. That's exactly what this reminds me of. Some folks are just like this today. They want the spotlight. They enjoy the spotlight. They have a need for the spotlight, and they let everyone know that they are in the spotlight. They have a need to feel important. They brag, they boast about their accomplishments or their positions in the church like it really matters to other people. They act as if they're the best in the world at what they do. Listen, this type of demeanor doesn't gain respect from other people. Rather, it puts off a negative connotation. That's what it does. The very minute, folks, that we take our eyes off God, there is a severe problem. The very minute that we make a situation all about what we want, there is a severe problem. Folks, we must always give God the glory for what he's doing in our lives. Let me say it this way. If you feel the need to brag about something, brag on God. He's the one that deserves it. Romans 3.10 says this. There is no one righteous. Say it with me. Not even one. We're not worthy of praise. Only God. God alone is worthy of praise. It's not our accomplishments that matter, but God's accomplishments through us that matter. At the same time, loving other people. Now listen, it, it doesn't mean to fail to acknowledge somebody for doing a good job for what God is doing through them. Even Paul was not above complimenting others. He would do that. Love does not mean ignoring or or just lying about human accomplishments. Rather, it means not exalting ourselves over others as if our accomplishments were based on our own merit and ability. We should never boast or brag about what God is doing in our lives unless we are bragging completely on Him. That's what the bragging is for. Love is also not proud, and some versions say puffed up. like that word. It's not puffed up. To be proud or puffed up is to be overly self confident or insubordinate to God and to others. You ever heard the word pride? Let me ask that again. You ever heard the word pride? I think we all have. The Old and the New Testaments repeatedly, listen, repeatedly condemn pride as the source of much destruction and pain in the world. The Bible is full of those illustrations that say pride is of the devil. When we care about or love each other, we don't find ourselves with an arrogant sense of pride. We don't find ourselves with a sense of self-importance. What's the old saying? Pride cometh before the fall. Well, I believe this. I've seen prideful people over the years get a taste of their own medicine, so to speak. We had to be careful. We had to be mindful to avoid being prideful. It's easy to let our pride and our proudness get in the way of living our lives the way that God would want us to. Sometimes, and y'all are going to like this illustration, I think. Sometimes we feel that we're too good to ask for someone's help. Ever feel that way? That's, that's a pride issue. It reminds me of, of men who don't like to ask for directions. ever been there? I got hands all over the room. Okay, two hands back there. But isn't it true? I mean, men are guilty of this for the most part. Don't want to ask direction. They're scared. We're scared it's going to make us look weak. Oh, we know where we're going. We can't admit that we're weak. Let me tell you something, guys. It doesn't show you looking weak. It shows you looking lost. (laughs) It's what it shows you looking. And listen, I've had this issue. It's ridiculous how often our pride gets in the way. And for me, I've had this problem, and I don't mind being transparent with you. I'll I'll tell you just a brief little story here. Some years ago with the company that I used to work for, before I was full-time in the ministry, I was asked to take over an office uh, for the company that I was with. And um, we were, if you don't know this, we were a loan company. We we made small loans to to high-risk credit people and that kind of thing. And Um, And what happened with that a lot of times Is you just had people that just didn't want to pay back you know, Because that's the lifestyle that they live So the delinquency in this office Was just through the roof I mean it was the highest I think That I'd ever seen in any office There were so many customers that were past due It was just unreal In an office of about a thousand loan accounts 600 of them were past due So 60% of the loan base Was was past due Now needless to say I had my work cut out for me my boss called me and he said, "Steve, I'm gonna I'm send an overstaff manager to help you, help you collect some of this stuff, so that I could focus on some other needs in the office." Well, now I'd been in the business for a long time, long time. I knew what I was doing. I'd been in this position before. So guess what my response was? That's exactly right. I told him, "I don't need that guy. I can do this myself." Well, after some conversation, my boss reluctantly agreed. And he said, brother, if you want to jump in the fire, go right ahead. And I said, okay. So I got to work. It didn't take me long to find out just how stupid that was. <laughs> Again, it was, it was awful. It took me twice as long to clean this mess up because I, listen, I wanted the credit for doing it myself. I wanted to be able to say, I did it. That's wrong. That's prideful. And that's sinful. Pride, listen, it wasn't worth it to me other than the fact that I needed to work on this area in my life. God showed me something through this. He said, Steve, your pride's got to get out of your way, son. It's got to go because you're costing yourself. You've got to make sure that you don't let this be an issue in your life, not only in your business world, but in your spiritual life. Thankfully, God's working on me, and and I'm a work in progress, but he's still delivering me from that issue. We all are. Not only prideful, but love also does not behave rudely. <laughs> the definition of rude really varies from culture to culture, doesn't it? At the heart of rudeness is a complete disregard for the social customs of somebody else. About The likes or the dislikes of other people, we can really show a wide range of disrespect for them. Now, what's worse about this most of the time is we don't realize it. We don't realize that we're being rude. The difference is, when we have a proper regard for someone else, that indicates love for them. Listen, we need to realize that it's just not as simple as this church in Corinth did to go about being rude to other people. Paul was, was trying to get this across to the people at Corinth. Things had gotten terribly out of hand there. He was trying to teach them that rudeness is not how God designed communication with one another. God's design is to hold each other up by making civil comments, not to tear each other down by making rude comments. This was happening terribly bad in this church at Carth, and it still happens in the church today. Again, the folks that seem to appear to be the most rude are the ones that don't know they're being rude. They don't get it. And here's what, they're not paying attention They're not tuned into other people's feelings. They aren't being loving by any stretch of the imagination. Not at all. We must be mindful of other people's, listen, here's a word for you, we need to be mindful of their own perception. Sometimes it's not what we say, it's how we say it. And then one step further, it's how they hear it. How did they hear what I just said? This church had a severe problem with that. The church today still has a severe problem with that between the church members. Now, on the other hand, love doesn't require us to just go along with the crowd, does it? It doesn't say that it's okay. When culture contradicts Christian faith, it is not unloving to break that social barrier. This is what Paul was trying to do with this church in Corinth. In fact, it it may show Christ-like love if we handle it the right way. That's exactly what it might do. We must not be rude with one another. We must have the respect that God intended us to have one with each other. Not only being rude, but love is also not self-seeking. This goes right along with being boastful and and prideful. We're not always going to be in first place, are we? We're not always going to win the race. It's not always ours for the taking. There are others that can do what we can do just as well or even better than we can. The loving person puts the benefit of others over his own benefit. Now, Paul this when he refused to take money for being an apostle. Did you know that? 1 Corinthians chapter 9 tells us that. Philippians chapter 2 tells us that Jesus himself, through his own humiliation, was was the greatest expression of putting others' benefits over one's own. Now, at the same time, we, we must remember to tend to our own needs. There are things that you just need to do for yourself that, listen, they, it's not self-seeking. It's just things that you have to do for yourself. Here's your example. Jesus himself had to withdraw from the crowds to rest and to pray. This isn't self-seeking. It's necessary to refresh your soul. Moving on a little faster, love is not also easily angered. This also deals with the patience that we spoke about earlier. If we love each other, we don't normally become irritated and angry with what other people do wrong. We are slow to anger. We have more patience than that. But then there are also times when anger is appropriate. Paul himself became angry when he saw the idols of Athens. Even Jesus himself became angry when he saw the hard hearts of the people and the money changers in the temple. We should be slow to anger, but not become indifferent to the suffering of others or to the honor of God. Love also keeps no record of wrongs. Now listen, people who love each other don't keep a running total of wrongdoings from others. There's no secret list that's stuck in a drawer somewhere that you can pull out and say, hey, I told you so. You can't do that. Instead, love offers what? It's an F word. Forgiveness. Time and time again. Now, both Jesus and Stephen, you remember Stephen? got stoned to death. Y'all remember that story? Both Jesus and Stephen demonstrated this forgiving spirit to those who were in the very act of putting him to death. Now for Paul, listen, talking about keeping a record of wrongs, let me make this note because Paul had to get this information from somebody, didn't he? He wasn't there. So there was somebody feeding him information. He was receiving this about the Corinthian church from someone who was keeping a record of what was going on there. He was receiving reports of the wrongdoings of the church. There's a difference, though, as to why this list was made. This was not a vengeful type list. It was not a begrudging type list, and it wasn't certainly intended to single anybody out. It was a list intended to aid Paul with this restoration of the church. Now listen, as Christians, we should never think evil. Our thought process should just not go there. We should strive to be like God. He forgives and he forgets, doesn't he? Now we don't have the ability to forget, and I realize that, but we can always Try to go there. We don't have the ability to forget, but we can just put it away somewhere and not keep this ongoing record of wrongs. And speaking of evil, love does not delight in evil. Those who truly love, and and this, this is a problem in this church in Corinth, and it's a problem even today. Listen to what this says. Those who truly love do not enjoy seeing their loved ones stumble into evil let say that again. Those who truly love do not enjoy seeing others stumble into evil. You with me? Instead, we should rejoice when we see our loved ones trying to live a life according to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, sin destroys people's lives, so to rejoice in their sin is also to destroy or, or rejoice in destroying their own destruction. This morning I spent a lot of time, and I know time's getting away, spent a lot of time telling you what love doesn't do. I also want to spend our last few minutes together here telling you what love does do according to this scripture. Love rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things or protects us, as some will say, some versions will say. Love believes all things or, or it places trust in others. Love also always hopes. Love always endures or perseveres through all things. But lastly, love never fails. This is such an encouragement to us knowing that the love that we have in our lives that, that comes from Jesus Christ can, can sustain us. We can rejoice in the truth of Jesus Christ. We are protected by the love of Jesus Christ. We can trust the love of Jesus Christ. We have hope through the love of Jesus Christ. We can make it through this life through the love of Jesus Christ. Why? Because His love never fails. What a comfort knowing that He has such love for us. You know, as Christians, we should strive to love like Jesus loves we should always be mindful of how others perceive us, as we said earlier. It takes work to love. Some folks are just hard to love. I realize that. It's hard. It takes work. We have to be willing to put in the work. When we sign up to be a Christian, we got to be willing to put, up to put out the work. i got good news. Jesus wants to help you put in the work. He wants you to put into action His love by design. He wants you to see yourself as you really are in your heart and help you mold yourself into the loving person that He intended you to be. This morning, folks, you're not alone in this. All of us at some point have, have fallen into one of us. There's really no shame in admitting that today. No shame at all. Some of us are prideful, some of us are envious some of us are several of these things it's not exclusive to maybe one again there's no shame in admitting that today but there's also no shame in making it right today you can make that right because god has us in the palm bigger than all of these things that is mentioned he has us in the palm of his hand he has control of our lives and he wants you to acknowledge that and exclusively follow him only you can do business with god And make it right. So I encourage you to do that today. In way of invitation this morning, I just want to offer you an opportunity to come. Just let Jesus know that you've been guilty of some of these things that we've been talking about today. He already knows that, but he just wants you to, to make it right with him. Maybe you've been dealing with a pride issue, as I did. Maybe you've been dealing with a kindness issue. Maybe you've been dealing with a rudeness issue. Maybe you've been dealing with any of these that we've been talking about this morning. Jesus can forgive you if you ask. And I would encourage you to do that today. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And as uh, Monica comes, maybe there's someone here today that doesn't know Jesus. I would encourage you today to come today. Take me by the hand. Let me me walk you through that. Let me tell you about the Jesus that I know. The Jesus that forgives me of my pride issue. The Jesus that can forgive us all from all types of issues that we have. Let me talk to you about him. You come today. He wants to heal you of that. Stand together as we sing this morning, just as I am i uh-huh. I'm going to ask you if you would to have a seat for just a minute, and I'd like to call us into uh, just a short uh, business meeting. Call that to order for just one minute. And um, if you'll remember, a couple of weeks ago at our church conference that we had, uh, we mentioned that we were in the market for uh, replacing the round tables that are in the vestibules. So we've we've um, did some pricing on that. Those tables right now are around hundred dollars a piece. So we're looking at spending um, with tax and everything somewhere between. 530 to $560, somewhere in that area. They're going to be purchased from Sam's, made by Lifetime. They have a, a great warranty on them. There are muchles out there are even broken. So they've been here uh, many, many years and have done their job. So it's time to replace those. Any, any discussion on that before we vote on that? I hear none. So all of those in favor of purchasing those new tables from Sam's, uh, signify by an uplifted hand. Okay, thank you. Any opposed, we will get those purchased um, as soon as we possibly can and uh, get those in and it and, uh, will be, be much nicer for us to sit around and take care of that. Well, thank you so much for coming. It has been an honor to be in God's house this morning. I'm excited about what he's doing in our church. Good to see all of you today and uh, we're just so excited. God's on the move and uh, I know that uh, he wants to do a mighty, mighty work here. So we just ask you to continue to pray for us as we move forward in his name. Uh, This included our love series for the month of February, so next month we're going to go into a series that I'm calling The Hurt and the Healer. Uh, So you don't want to miss out on that, so come and be a part of that, and uh, we will enjoy that together. So let's pray together, and we'll dismiss. Lord, thank you again for this morning. It's just an honor to be back in your house, and uh, we love you so much and just so grateful for what you do in our lives. Bless our church, Lord, as we continue to uh, move forward in your name, and we thank you and we love you for all you do. In Jesus we pray. Amen.